Hey there, I'm Janine Noggle, and I'm the host of the UECU podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the second season of the UECU podcast, and we are just absolutely thrilled to have you with us. And um, every year we, we pick new topics and new things that we think might be of interest to our friends and our members, and I think today's topic will not disappoint. Um, so today we're going to be talking about cybersecurity, which for some folks is like, oh, really? I'm like, yes, really. And it's very important for you to really pay attention to what's going on in this conversation for your own good, <laughs> not necessarily for the good of the credit union, but for your own good. So, you know, cybersecurity and ID theft are pretty common topics today. And it seems like every week a new security breach uh, makes the headlines. So you know, why does it happen? How can we stop it? What's our role in protecting our information and our money? That's what we're talking about today with our guests who are experts in this ever-changing field. The reasons why and how it happens can be summed up pretty succinctly. It's easy money. <laughs> There's a reason why they do it. Um, and frankly, humans make mistakes. And that's where these kind of two things come together and really cybersecurity becomes a, a real threat. So, you know, we work really, really hard here at UECU to protect our members' accounts and information. And you'll learn about some of that today, but our members and you as an individual have a role to play too. So we want to talk about both sides of that, uh, of that scenario. So here's just a few facts to kind of kick things off before I introduce today's guests. One, the average cost of a data breach has reached an all-time high this year. $4.45 million. That's no joke. Um, the financial industry, oh, we're so lucky, um, has the second highest average cost of a data breach, and that is $5.9 million. Um, so we're always, you know, happy targets of these folks. And then third, you know, phishing, which we'll talk about a little bit and describe what that means. Phishing and stolen credentials are the two top initial attack methods that uh, the bad guys use. And, um, and so this is why we're having this conversation today. And it's really to make sure that you understand it a little bit deeper than a 15 second soundbite, um, you know, that often comes up in commercials and, um, and scare tactic kinds of news headlines. Uh, we wanna go a little bit deeper than that. So let me introduce our guests for today and, and get them on board here so that you can learn a little bit about why we invited these two. Um, you won't wonder for long. So first, uh, we have David Bach, um, and he is the technical business analyst at uh, Cyber, I'm sorry, Alpine Cyber Solutions. Let me get that right, Alpine Cyber Solutions. So Dave has had a varied IT career for the past 25 years, where he has had considerable focus on financial, yay, <laughs> and investment sectors. Um, although he has a degree in psychology, he has found it to be considerably useful in the field of cybersecurity. Dave enjoys helping customers truly understand their risks while leading them to solutions that actually fit their needs. Um, and we can speak from experience because we work with Alpine. And then we have Steve. Stephen Pressman is the president and chief technology officer also at Alpine Cyber Solutions. So Steve has been in charge of the technology solutions at Alpine Cyber Solutions since it began 10 years ago. He has extensive experience in cybersecurity and IT solutions design, development, and implementation. He's a, he is absolutely passionate about security. You'll find that out today. And specifically about how cloud computing technologies, when implemented properly and thoughtfully, can help to make his customers' data more secure by default. At the same time, 
He lives by the principle that cybersecurity is not something that can be fully solved with technology alone. Hello, we're human. <laughs> it takes the proper planning and staffing to make it truly effective. Um, so Dave and Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on board for this discussion, especially because I'm just a member when it comes to cybersecurity. Okay, I'll go a step. I am a UECU employee. We are trained. So I, I could go maybe a step higher, but I'm definitely a novice. Um, so I'm so glad you guys are with me. Thanks for having Thanks. us. <laughs> Thank you very much for having us. So, And so you know, too, I'm also a member as well. So I've got a vested interest in making sure that everything is safe. Well, I certainly <laughs> like that. So that that's great. Um, so before we jump into the topic, I always like to invite my guests to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, just kind of get to know who you are, how you got to where you are today. Um, I think it's always interesting, especially for maybe some of the younger listeners who are considering uh, careers and, you know, maybe got a degree in some one thing and ended up doing something else like Dave, I think you have a psychology major and here you are working with cybersecurity. It's great. I love it. Um, so Dave, let's start with you first. Uh, so sure. you obviously didn't start your career in cybersecurity. That'd be my guess. <laughs> no, not at all. So, you know, how did you get to where you are today? What were the steps in your path? Um, so, so I did graduate with a degree in, a degree in psychology. I initially wanted to be a, a, just a therapist. Um, however, I, uh, got out of college in a terrible economy and everybody was looking for a job. And the, the first job I was able to find was actually working at a mutual fund as a customer service representative. So that was my first job out of college. So that's when I started learning the financial industry. I've always been a technical person just by hobby. And, you know, back then it was kind of like everything was self-taught, um, and we're not talking about that long ago, but <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, you know, right. if you were into technology, if you were into computers, you self-taught. Sure. Um, and that's that's kind of how it was. So there was an opportunity at this place to get into IT to help out. And I always helped out the, you know, our IT guy. We were a smaller place. And then that's, you know, pretty much the end of it. I was, you know, working in IT from then on. Um, so, yeah. And that's exactly how I turned my psychology degree into an IT degree. Okay. <laughs> into awesome. an IT career. Yeah, no, that works. So how about you, Steve? How, how did they, how did you work your way to this position? Uh, it's funny. I had a pretty strange route myself. <clears throat> I started off going to college to be a computer science major, failed miserably. I was not <laughs> the sit at a computer and write software guy. It just wasn't my, it didn't, it didn't speak to me. I needed to be around more people. I needed to be I don't know, something else. I needed something else. And um, so I ended up actually taking some time, figuring out what I wanted to do. And I graduated with an elementary education degree. My undergraduate degree is in elementary education. And I actually taught middle school for two years wow. uh, down in Southern Chester County. Yeah, that's the that's how my path started. And, uh, you know, I I went from there and realized at the time that I enjoyed the teaching. I didn't enjoy some of the other aspects of being mm. a teacher uh, and decided to change careers. And I went back to my, my original passion, which was always the computers. And um, so I got a job working at Lockheed Martin in the, you know, their finance department in Morristown, New Jersey. And I was a computer guy. I was that guy who, you you know, call me when your mouse stopped working <laughs> or you know when you couldn't log in. That was me replacing toner cartridges every day. And um, yeah, I, I started there, started figuring out what in IT I wanted to do, moved around a bit, became a, 
uh, a higher level system administrator, uh, moved from Morristown, New Jersey to Valley Forge. And um, I, I sort of grew in the ranks, became a, a solutions architect um, and left Lockheed to go with a spinoff company that they were mm. creating. And um, I, I became the chief architect. And at that point, I was like, wow, I can create, I can, uh, you know, I can, I can innovate and, and make things with my hands. So after we brought this, this company live out of, out of Lockheed Martin, um, we, uh, we ha they, they told us, okay, well, now go run it. And next thing you know, there I am changing toner cartridges again. Okay, not really. But, <laughs> you know, essentially, that's the sort of world that I was looking at. And I said, wait. I like the part where I got to create and put things together and make stuff that made people happy and made, made money for the company. That wasn't the way it was. So um, at that time, I met a guy named Scott Avento who became my business partner. He said, hey, you want to go try something? And we'll try this on our own. Uh, he, and th the rest is history. I got my, my CISSP, which is the security certification. Um, I'd always had a good brain for that sort of stuff. So it wasn't a big jump for me to go from IT to security. And um, 10 years later, here we are, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're doing it. We're bringing that sort of defense Lockheed Martin size solutions down to companies of every size along, you know, from the smallest to the medium to, uh, to the largest of, uh, of their own. And somewhere in the middle there, I ended up uh, luckily in a, a place where I could work next to the other guy who's on this call. Uh, <laughs> and Dave, Dave and I met and we became fast friends. And ever since then, we've, uh, we've been inseparable. So. That's how I well, got here. I, that was the long. That was the long path. I could have. That's gone okay. That's actually great because, like I said, I I think um and 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 part of this is my being a mom, which I think I must mention in every podcast. <laughs> I just have those moments where um you know I feel like that we have such interesting guests and everybody kind of has their own path to how they got to what they're doing today. Uh, and very rarely is it I came out of college with a degree and I'm still doing the same thing 30 years later. Right. So uh, I just always like to give everybody hope that, A, you don't always need college, by the way, um, and two, uh, you need some kind of higher education. So whether it's trades or college or something, there's, you know, skills training is always so important. Yeah. Right. That's all important. Uh, but it doesn't always define your entire life. And, and so yep. you can take a, a U-turn uh, or maybe just a left or a right turn on occasion, not so much a U-turn. Yeah. I think all my something new. Degree. I did get my mm -hmm. master's in information systems along the way, um, okay. but I, I'll be honest, I probably use more of the skills that I learned as an elementary school teacher in my day-to-day -day than I do the information system stuff because it's dealing with people. And it, it, I, don't, I don't sell solutions to computers. I sell solutions nope. to people, and, that, yep. and that's, that's really what it comes down to. I, yeah. I will say a psychology degree has been hugely, hugely beneficial to a career in IT, especially cybersecurity. I'm um, sure. And actually, I think we'll hit on a few of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting into the minds of people um, actually does play a big role in all of this. So, all right. So, um, I will just, uh, since we, we kind of hit that pretty well, just what is it that you like to do outside of IT security, outside of all of this fun? You know, what makes your weekend something to look forward to? Dave, right, you Dave. go first. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I guess the usual kind of stuff, um, you know, I have a son, so I like, you know, playing stuff with him, playing games with him, playing nice. Lego with him. Um, you know, I love, you know, Lego and building stuff, um, photography, you know, I, I like doing that, you know, being kind of like creative and unwinding with stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, relatively boring, you know, the <laughs> usual, boring. The usual kind of boring. like 
Yeah, usual kind of nerdy stuff, video games, movies, you know. <laughs> nice. No, that all works. Look, there has to be a reason for the 40 to 50 hours that you spend oh, yeah. somewhere during the week. And as much as you may love your job, it's still a job. And uh, there has to be some reason behind that. So it's always good to have those those good reasons. How about you, Steve? Yeah, so Dave and I lead remarkably parallel, parallel lives. You know, I'm, I'm deep into the nerd life myself. You know, I, I have a 15-year-old son, and we, we love building Legos. We love playing games, and, you know, he's, he's big into Dungeons & Dragons, so he's teaching me stuff. And, you know, nice. it's, it's, it's a, a great full life. My wife and I love being outdoors. Um, I, I, you put me in the middle of a forest and I'm, I'm, it's the only time I'm actually at peace. Otherwise my brain's always going when I'm in the woods, I I can actually relax. And, uh, so doing that, going kayaking, doing some biking and then nerding out with, uh, with, with the boy that that's, that's what life's (laughs) about for me. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Like I said, I think it's just always important to know there's something that's driving why we do what we do during the week. And it really comes down to the humanity in our lives. And uh, so thank you for being vulnerable enough to share a little bit of that with us. Um, and for those who are listening, you know, just a matter of, you know, don't, don't feel pigeonholed into whatever it is that you think you, you've done and you have to do it your whole life. Uh, find what makes you tick and, and strive for it. So, um, and these guys have obviously done that. So, all right, let's get to the topic. Everyone's like, okay, let's talk about cybersecurity. I know they're excited. <laughs> okay, they might not be excited, but they know that they need to listen because it's important stuff. So let's talk first, um, you know, briefly just a little bit about your role with UECU. Um, so, you know, how do you help us keep things safe and secure? Because A, it's, very important to us, especially as a virtual credit union. I mean, it's all about the data, right? And we have to keep it safe, secure. We have to keep our members able to access their information, but only our members. So, um, you know, all of those things, you know, really are very, very important to us. We don't, our reputation's at risk otherwise. And uh, and we certainly don't want that to become an issue. So let's talk a little bit about, um, and I, I have kind of a, an outline here, just a couple of things, but what uh, what is what do you mean by vulnerability management? Because um, I think for the average person, they're like, "What vulnerability? What? <laughs> Isn't that about yeah. relationships?" No, I was no, no, say, no. It sounds like the plot to a rom com, <laughs> right? <laughs> so how how do you help UECU do? And and I'm gonna I will head all of this off by saying, we're only gonna tell you guys so much. Okay, let's just be honest. There's there's things that a level of detail that um, we would be foolish to share publicly. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not asking questions and I'm not, ex- I mean, I'm asking questions that I'm not expecting Dave and Steve to kind of hit major details on exactly what they do, but there's some brief headings that we can kind of gloss through a little bit, just so you know, we are taking it seriously um, and that they do a really good job at helping us uh, do the right thing. So let's talk about vulner- vulnerability management. Boy, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that's definitely the buzzword for sure. I mean, it's the industry term. It's not a buzzword. It's, it's, it's the industry term, but I want to make sure that I, I call out that literally everything that we're going to talk about, about what we do with the credit union applies to everyone's personal life in some way, shape or form. There's nothing different that a company needs to do to protect their data that a person doesn't need mm. to do to protect, protect their own data. It might not be that you've got a written down policy that says X, Y, and Z, but in your head, you know that when I go to a new website, this is what I do to, tra- to remember the password. Or like you've got things that are built into you about what your policies are. Um, so when we talk about vulnerability management, that's no different. A, a vulnerability when it comes to computers, not talking about the rom-com anymore, <laughs> is, what the, is something that is known to be wrong 
on a computer or any device with a chip in it, basically. Okay. So a vulnerability can be a piece of software that was written with a, uh, a flaw that when a bad guy comes and takes a certain action, they can break the way the app was supposed to run. And now they get Ooh. onto the system or now okay. they pull out your information or what they, so those vulnerabilities fall under essentially two major buckets. Those are the ones that we know. And those are the ones that we don't know. And it's, I mean, <laughs> okay. it's the known knowns and the unknown unknowns. And it's just what it comes down to. If it's something that's known, well, then guess what? We can scan for it. We can okay. say, okay, let me look at your computer. Or in the case of the credit union, let me look at all of your computers and say, what are the known vulnerabilities, the known bad software, the known things that can be taken over by a bad guy on these systems? Mm. And then if we know what they are, well, then we can either patch them or we can um, remove the software that has the vulnerability or we can work around it. We can, you know, if it, hey, we've got this really old system that does something extremely important, but it runs on some really vulnerable software and there's no solution for it. Mm. Okay, not great, but we can put a <laughs> firewall around it and only what needs to come in and out can go in and out. So there's things okay. that we can do. And that that's the art of vulnerability management. Um, and, and what we do for, for UECU is we run scans for all of those things that are known. And it can also find some indicators of things that might be unknown, but those are harder. Those are, you'll hear them called zero days. Those are a lot harder to detect because we don't have a pattern to look for to say, this is the problem that exists. Uh. So we scan. It used to be in our industry. All right, we need to do our annual vulnerability scan. And you would do <laughs> once a year. Well, that's great. Then for the next 364 days, you have all different vulnerabilities that you don't know about. Yeah, because so then, it's a finite list, right? There's only exactly. one list of vulnerabilities. And so you check it once a year, you're good. Exactly. Yeah. They don't change. They don't add. Ouch. No one's ever had to patch their computer more than once a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we thought, you know, back in, in the early days of Alpine, hey, we're going to start encouraging people to um, scan monthly. Monthly's great. Monthly's 12 times as good as annually. And for, the long, for a long period of time, that is true. But now, and what happens at UECU, and I'm, I'm proud to say it, it's not, it's not um, you know, uh, uh, letting any bad information out. <laughs> the, scanning is continuous. Ah. If, so essentially every two to four hours, every computer scans itself based on the newest known list of vulnerabilities. So if a bad guy okay. attacks a company in California and that company detects it, and says, oh no, here's a vulnerability that people have found. <laughs> it goes into this central database and then every two to four hours, the systems pull down that and say, oh, do I have it? And if they do, okay. then they report back. Um, at home, it's a lot lower tech. At home, your iPhone pops a little one in a circle next to your settings icon and it's time to go patch. That's how, okay. that's, that's what that is, right? Um, that, that, that's the parallel in, in your real world. Uh, but in the end, at a company the size of UECU, if we just patched everything all the time, whenever a new patch came out, we would probably take down and break more systems than we fixed because you have to test the patches, you have to make sure mm. things work. But at least to catalog how many vulnerabilities you have and how bad they are, then okay. you, you know, okay, I need to take the systems down this weekend and do some patching. So if there's a, it, you can tell from that kind of scanning that there's some really high risk issues and then, then you do some other work on top of that. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Okay. And some thinking okay. too. 
There's yeah. a really bad problem. Do we need to? Well, that's the thing. It's there's a, a really bad vulnerability, but it's on a system that's behind three firewalls. Is it really that vulnerable? Do I need to take down production right now and you know tell people they can't get to their money at the you know? And, and no, we don't want to do that. We we right. adjust our our assessment based on the reality of the situation. This thing's really bad, but it's not likely to happen. And that's okay. where you get into risk management. And what a lot of places don't do, a lot of places don't understand their risks. So when stuff comes out and it's like, oh my God, this is a high, you know, this is a, a high risk vulnerability. You know, a lot of people, if they don't have a good plan in place, they could freak out and they could make decisions mm. that are actually, you know, not beneficial. Like if they rush to do something, they can end up breaking more, like Steve was just saying. Okay. So a big part of that is just having a, a general understanding of your risk, understanding how all of your systems work together so you can assess that risk. And it's all part of that, you know, vulnerability management. You want to make sure that everybody has a clear picture of everything. And, and that's also something that we, you know, do a, I, I think we do a great job helping with because um, there's a lot of, you know, companies when you come in and you're, you're trying to help them with stuff, they don't understand even what they're supposed to be worried about. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> so just helping to map out the lay of the land. So in other words, if, if you don't know all the pieces of the puzzle before the risks begin to hit, it's harder to determine what to do next mm -hmm. or exactly. when, because it's not always immediate. Sometimes it's, no, we have time. Let's work it out and make sure it's not interrupt. Like maybe it's at 2, a we're going to take it offline and do a big update, but maybe it's at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. <laughs> um, right. Well, maybe Saturday night. How about 4 a.m. on a Saturday night? <laughs> After everybody's <laughs> really home and in bed, uh, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> well, it's the IT burden. We work when we work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear the only that. Hard rule is never change anything on a Friday night. You never change anything on a Friday night. No. Okay. Then you lose your okay. whole weekend to fix it. It's it's uh, a hard and fast rule in IT. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good rule. Uh, my husband yeah. is a plumber, and that's when all of the DIY folks do all their work Friday mm, night. Right. So he's working all weekend. <laughs> so I hear you. I hear you. All right. So vulnerability management, obviously, it's it's kind of staying on top of what you do know. And I know we haven't necessarily talked about the unknowns, but that's because they're unknown. So it's just yeah. as they're discovered. Right. And as they're put into place. Well, the good thing about I mean, the unknowns are the biggest risk to everybody. If there's if there's a zero day that gets announced and usually when they're announced, they're pretty bombastic. It's, hey, I can get all the way in and get all this information out. I'm a bad guy and they sell it on the dark web and. Um, it, it's a problem, but the best we can do as people on the good side is continuously check and check with that, that, that rapid frequency. Because again, mm -hmm. even if I was scanning monthly, if there's a zero day that could impact my environment and I'm not paying attention to the fact that it was announced in the news or in one of my feeds, I could be vulnerable for the rest of that month. Right. Whereas two, every two to four hours, if I'm paying attention as I should be to my alerts, I'm going to know that there's a problem and I need to pack it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've covered that one pretty well. How about, um, and, and this one I uh, always find interesting because I think I'm somewhat involved in this as an employee, uh, penetration testing. Well, so you as far, I mean, just, a, just, just a little bit as far as <laughs> I could be targeted. I could be so, targeted, right? Possibly. Maybe not. So, Social, I said I'm a so, novice. Correct me, correct me. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> so penetration testing is a little bit of an overloaded term in reality. Okay. Um, penetration testing at its core just means I'm going to try to break into your company. That could mean I'm going to tailgate through a physical door with somebody. I'm physically penetrating the environment, right? 
It could mean that I'm going to go and find Janine's LinkedIn and I'm going to make friends and I'm going to become, you know, and I'm going to try to get in or I'm going to cold call and say, hey, let me attach, you know, to your computer and help you with this problem that you aren't having. And, <laughs> you know, that, that would be a social engineering penetration test. Okay. Um, the things that we, that we do, I mean, all of those things are definitely on the table, but more often than not, a penetration test is I'm going to scan your network or your website or whatever it is for known vulnerabilities. Again, the knowns and oh. the unknowns, I'm going to look okay. for the known vulnerabilities and then I'm going to go through them. So oh, I see you've okay. got a vulnerability. I'm going to see if I can get in there. Oh, I got in. Well, let me see what I can find. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to, I can go and get to Janine's laptop because her password's weak. Okay. I'm going to get into Janine's machine. Now I'm going to have access to all the things that Janine can do. And then this is essentially the bad guy, not doing bad things. This is pretending to be a bad guy. Um, And trust me for folks who might be interested in a career in uh, information (laughs) security, this one's fun. It's also the hardest, <laughs> I think, but it's a lot of fun. If you if you've got like little devil ears under you know, under your hat, then your devil horns, you know, you're definitely you know this is your this is right for you because you need to think like the bad guy, think like the attacker. Um, there are databases of tactics that that bad guys use, but the best pen testers I know. By the way, penetration testing is usually shortened to pen testing. Okay. The best pen testers I know are the ones who are the smartest about how an application works, who can um, really think on the fly. It's not following a step-by-step set of rules. It's, it's okay. that in the moment determining which direction to go. So um, it's a and, bad guy with a conscience. That's what you're telling me. You hope, right. Yeah, well, at Alpine, <laughs> yes, always, absolutely. <laughs> er, er, earning um, legit money. Yes, I hear exactly. that. Exactly. So, okay, yeah, all right, and good, we, and good, good. We do this multiple times per year. And I mentioned it could be for a web application or it could be for a network. There are different ways you can do it. I can go, You can. I can ask you, hey, customer of mine, give me a username and password. Let me pretend that Janine, mm. and I'm going to pick on you, I'm sorry. That's Let a, me pretend I, that Janine a had a really bad password and I got in. What could Janine do inside my network? How bad could Janine mess things up for us? Okay. Um, and then you get to pretend it. So that's, a, that's an authenticated internal penetration test. And those are going to look for, oh my gosh, our people have too much access to things that they shouldn't have access to. And that gives you different findings than you would. Gotcha. A lot of people think, I'm going to sit back here on the internet and I'm going to attack you through your firewall. That very rarely works. It really very rarely works. Okay. Unless your firewall is really like not being paid attention to and is out of date, your firewall is usually going to cover you against most of that stuff. Um, the real uh, attacks that are that are um, that are fruitful today for the bad guys are ones that go through the squishy parts, the humans. That's that's. <laughs> Dave, you can like talk about that for part. sure. <laughs> yeah. The, um, there, there's a term we like to use called the human firewall, um, mm-hmm. where we try and where we train people to, to really understand that they have a very active role in cybersecurity. Um, you know, phishing is a very real thing. Social engineering is a very real thing. Okay, for um, a moment, just because it's the second time we've sure. mentioned it. What is phishing? 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's not, no, that, don't apologize. It's just uh, mm-hmm. I've mentioned it at the beginning, but let's let's go ahead and define what that really is. So phishing is basically uh, emails or any kind of like, you know, contact where somebody's generally, you know, the term comes from like phishing for information. So you're okay. getting something like out of them. Um, this could be as simple as just getting somebody to click on a link um, where it downloads some malicious software. It could be uh, doing something where they say like, oh, you need to check this out and just like, you know, log in and get your tax information. So they go and they put in their username and password, but it's not going to work. It's going Mm. to some outside site. Um, So this stuff happens a lot. Um, And, you know, it's a very real thing. Um, I've had to do, uh, I'll say it's the worst part of my job. Um, Mm. Every once in a while is when we get uh, phone phishing, where we actually have to do voice phishing and call people. Um, because I have a conscience as you're like talking to people and trying to get them to do things. I feel really horrible when people start doing the things I am asking them to do Yeah, and doing it in such, you know, a nice way, like, you know, cause you, you, they, you take advantage of people's innate nature. A lot of mm-hmm. people at least want to be helpful. So Back to that psychology degree, Dave. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that's the dark side of Dave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a big part of where it comes in handy. Like if I'm designing emails to get people to click on things, you're you're thinking about ways to like, I mean, it could be, you know, you're taking advantage of people reacting too fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're taking advantage of that. You're taking advantage of people wanting to help. You know, if an email comes in from somebody very important in the company, oh, they want to help them right away. Drop everything. Um, and that's the tactics that the bad guys use. Um, like, uh, I think twice in the last year I've gotten text messages from my CEO um, and they weren't legit, obviously. And, and I've been trained well enough to go, yeah, I'm not going to get emails from, I'm not going to get text messages from him. That's just not right. Um, but it's just, it's using that human element to try to Mm -hmm. sneak their way in. And unfortunately it works. Yeah. So bottom line, when you get get the SMS, when you get the messages like that, those are called yeah. smishes. SMS fish. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's a stupid world. Smishes and then voice fishes are vicious. So, yeah, yeah. Everything's got a everything's got everything's a tag, Everything's right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the truth of the matter is you're, you're right. I'm, I think there's a lot of um, – I think there's a lot of people who just have a trusting nature. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's particular groups who maybe don't have as much experience with these things. Um, and I know like my mom's generation and uh, and actually young students who are just beginning to get in the world of mm-hmm. credit and having accounts and things. You know, they're they're so uh, used to just responding to everything that comes their way. Um, and unfortunately, it really puts them at risk. So we'll talk a little bit about the human side. So um, let's go on to the next one. So you did mention this earlier, Steve, about policies and procedures. Now, I obviously don't have ones written for me personally, uh, but so you better you believe the credit do. union does. Well, I, not that it's written per se, right? Um, but I know the credit union has them because policies and procedures are really important to help keep us safe. So uh, let's talk. One of you can talk a little bit about the role that that plays. Well, I'll kick it off and then I'll let Dave talk because this is more his world. Just to say, okay, this is by far the most boring part of security. And I'm, <laughs> I'm unabashed about it. It is the most boring part, but it is also the most important part. 
because without a policy or a procedure that says this is either what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do, what how a system is supposed to work, how it's not supposed to work, if unless you document that, how do you know if you're meeting it or not? How do you know okay. if your people are doing the right thing if you haven't told them this is the definition of the right thing? Without measurement or without policy, there's no measurement. So and without measurement, you can't show value. You can't show improvement. You can't show problems as easily unless you really say, this is a good, this is a bad. Go ahead, Dave. I'll I, let you go. I, well, I, I just <laughs> want to say, I think there, there was one phrase you, you mentioned in there about defining what is good. Is that mm. how you said it? Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. yeah, defining the good. Uh, you're right, because we, we kind of live in the fear of what could happen. But unless you put it in black and white, what what is good? What what is the right thing? Um, it's it's easier to go towards something than it is to steer clear of something. Absolutely. If you work for for a casino, then going online and going to a online gambling site is normal behavior. If you mm. work for if you're a teller at a bank or at a credit union and you're going to an online gambling site, you probably shouldn't ought to be doing that from your computer at work. <laughs> <laughs> so well, like, unless I, you part of the that, work. Yeah, part of the work I do is social media. So I'm obviously on our social media sites, but not everybody in the credit union is able to be on social media sites of all sure. kinds. So, and that makes sense. So I'm sorry, Dave, we've stepped all over you. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about policies and procedures. What's the fun part? Is there a fun part? <laughs> no, no. I was, unfortunately, unfortunately, Steve like trampled over because I was going to lie and say I work in the most exciting part of cybersecurity, <laughs> which is policies and procedures. Um, Sorry, man. <laughs> but it is, you know, and, and it's first like that's actually like I think Steve initially hired me to do this. And I was like, I thought we were friends. And, <laughs> and he was just like, no. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I had a very weird skill set that, you know, um, that really fed into it um, perfectly. Um, but however, it is super important, um, you know, for companies. Um, one of the biggest things, um, let's just take a, a little, a simple, you know, example of incident response. So people have an incident response policy and they have an incident response procedures. Why that's so important is because if anything bad happens, you have your template on what you do and you can practice that. Um, okay. and that's one of the big things about, you know, policies is you have all this stuff in place. So like Steve said before, you know what to do, what not to do. This covers you in, you know, situations like if something happens and there's like a bad actor, like say, in like an insider threat situation, um, you have your policies and procedures that say like, look, you know, you're not supposed to do this, you know, yeah. so you can, you know, protect yourself that way and, you know, press charges if you have to or whatever, because um, right. that stuff happens. Um, and also it's just, Again, having everything in place so, you know, you can practice those things. And when something real does happen, you're ready to go. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's really, you know, kind of that simple. Well, I think the and, good news, if I remember correctly, is, um, and I think you assist in some of this, that we actually do put them into practice. Like we test those mm -hmm. situations um, and, and that's part of being ready for if it really happens, we want to make sure that we're prepared um, by, by practicing when it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. There are times for creativity and invention. In the crisis is not that time. You want to be doing the right things because you could get three hours in and realize, oh my goodness, I forgot to let, you know, I, I need to alert the press. There's a requirement in mm-hmm. the law yeah. that says I need to make it public. You know, I, okay. I didn't do that. And then you get into legal. So having that, these are the things that I must do. Uh, it, it, it's the only way to make sure that you're going to get there. Every time an airplane pilot gets into the, the, the seat, they have a checklist that they mm-hmm. must go through. This is the same yep. thing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, by the way, at home, I'm sorry, real quick at home. Mm-hmm. Again, I like to draw those parallels. My 15 year old is allowed to use any app, any website that he wants to, as long as he asks me first, there's a policy. And if he wants to download a new app onto his phone, I have to approve it. There's a policy. Um, if he wants to use his, his phone after you know, 10 p.m., he's not allowed to. There's a policy, right? So you have policies in your life. They just are essentially you know, normal behavior that you determine as your morals and your ethics say, this is what you may or may not do uh, in, in, in this space. Okay. Yeah, no, that's all good. Um, so obviously UECU is doing all of this and, and following your lead on, on, on much of this. And so the fourth item on the list is CISO as a service. So let's talk about what is CISO as a service um, and, and how that works. And what is it? So this was, <laughs> this, yeah, this, so this is one of the first things that we, we started with um, UECU. And CISO is the Chief Information Security Officer. Um, the Chief Information Security Officer is the person responsible for running the security program. So making sure that all of the things that need to be secured are secured. All of the technologies, the people and the processes that need to be in place to keep the environment safe are doing their jobs. Um, CISOs measure to know, okay, I'm doing well because my number of incidents is going down or my number of people who don't click on the phishing email when it comes through is going up. You know, <laughs> there's all the, that's, you know, sort of, that, um, that, that central point of contact for all things security. Now, we're an external company. You might say, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they hire someone to do that? And honestly, a lot of organizations do. When you're of a certain size, it doesn't make sense to right. hire someone to do that. Um, and, and there's not enough work for someone to do that. So when we can come in there and do it for eight hours a week or 16 hours a week or however much the organization needs in order to keep that program chugging along and meeting its goals, that's that's what we do. That's what companies like us uh, do for, for organizations like UBC. And we do it for across many different industries. Um, we, we're in that space for people. And sometimes it's just nice to know that there's someone you can call or text or whatever to say, or blame. I don't no, know the kidding. answer to this just question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who do I blame for this? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but like, sometimes you just don't know the right kidding. answer. <laughs> yeah, and, and but I hear that. And is, I, I do think it's yeah. something about, I just like, we're, we're a fairly large credit union, but in the world yeah. of financial industry, we're still small compared to most banks in particular. And yet there's a lot of credit unions and banks that are smaller than us. And so mm-hmm. if we're using it as a contracted service, um, you know, how does a smaller financial institution keep up with all of those things that, and trust me, the audits and all the things that we go through every year because we are a highly regulated industry, mm-hmm. as most of them are today, but we certainly are one of the top, I think. Um, it just really comes down to 
if we if if we're not going to hire someone to do it full time, it's very important that we still focus the energy and the effort and the resources on protecting that. And again, way back to the beginning of this conversation, it's about reputational risk. And you sure. know, as far as the credit union, if we're not taking care of our members' information and their accounts and their funds, and 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 doing all of the things that we've talked about, having good policies and procedures. Um, doing the penetration testing, having make sure that we're managing all the vulnerabilities. If we're not doing that, someone's going to take advantage. Um, yeah. So you yeah. need to take due care. You you have to show that you're that you're trying. You're no one will ever be able to say that I'm going to keep out 100% of the bad guys. The the most secure system is one that's encased in concrete and sitting at the bottom of the ocean. Usability and security are at opposite ends of a spectrum. So yeah. you know to 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 be able to thread that needle and do things properly it takes somebody with experience and it takes uh, a collaborative effort. Um, one thing I will say too, is a lot of organizations will um, mash this together with their IT department. Information security and IT are often spoken in the same breath. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is they're really not, they're really entirely separate disciplines that have a lot of cross dependencies with one another. Um, and an IT department if you have your information security department and your IT department um, either reporting to one another or reporting together to uh, to another um, entity, you've got a problem with the fox in the hen house. You know, mm. and sometimes the IT department wants to implement a new technology. Sometimes the security department wants to implement a new protection. If the IT person is the one owning the budget and controlling that for the security person, you're not going to get your protection necessarily. And that's not necessarily the right answer for the business. So yeah. um, it makes it's, sense it's to have a, a kind of separate lines of uh, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call that? Separate, separate lines of reporting. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to work. Um, I used to work at a trading firm and uh, we had a very good you know, security department in there. And um, when I wasn't working, you know, closely with them, you know, you always hear people say, like, they're just going to say no. They're just going to say <laughs> no. You know, they're not going to want to do it. And. And then I got into a group where I had to work closely with them and it was a, it was a collaborative effort. You know, I would Mm -hmm. go to them and say like, Hey, like we need to do this, our requirements to get it done in, you know, we have this much space to do it. So we can't do your usual thing in there, but we need to come up with something. Mm. And then we would come up with some like creative examples to, to satisfy, you know, all the needs of security because, we had to be very secure, you know, in a trading firm, you know, with information, especially, and, you know, make sure that everything was on the up and up. Um, Treat your information security professional nicely is what it comes down to. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We, we got a lot further. (laughs) We we got a lot further, you know, being nice to them. Okay. (laughs) All right. So uh, moving on a little bit. um, So the other things that I have kind of left, we, we've, Hit a little bit on this, but is there anything more that you want to say about security awareness testing and training? Because I, I know for sure that's where I am tested. <laughs> I get the phishing, I get the phishing test emails, and uh, and I've gotten much better at at finding them and picking them out. So thank you for the education. Um, You're so, building a tuned firewall. <laughs> I, I, I'm working on it. I'm trying to I'm trying to get that human firewall in shape. What can I say? Um, so is there anything else that you want to kind of talk a little bit about that security awareness testing and training? Sure. Um, it is easily, you know, one of the best, I mean, say bang for the buck, you know, things that you can do for your organization. Um, you know, having people tested on a regular basis 
like the way we do it, I mean, we don't just like set up something automatic and it throws up random emails, you know, whatever. We put thought into it. Oh, I can um, tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, there's been some ones I'm like, hmm, that one looks really kind of like legit. And then you find one thing and they're like, nope, 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 that's the fishing. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you do. Of, I can tell that you guys work at those because they aren't just generic, not yeah, by any means. A lot of that was me. Sorry. You, you oh, just made okay. Dave's day. <laughs> you, Dave, you are training me well. You are yeah. training me well. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the best things you can do. And also keep testing it. It's like, it's not one of those things like, you know, you make sure you test all the different, you know, kind of scenarios and, and the different ways of thinking. Cause I've even done stuff where I'm doing things and I start like, I'm thinking at things at a level and I'm going up and up and up, but then I'll sit there and scale back and throw something that I consider real easy. But because of the way, like, you know, people were expecting things, they fell for the easy one. So yeah. you have to have that ebb and flow going back and forth and make sure that you're testing everything with it. And, you know, at least on a monthly basis. So like, you know, it's constant. Um, there's some people that just think they can do it once a year and that's fine. That does nothing. Well, um, I'll tell you yeah, what, used to... Dave, you almost got me last week. I'm not lying because we got a fish email <laughs> test. I was, I was um, out of state and I had logged into my computer and the one that came through was, I've noticed a login from a different location and now it wasn't my location where I was, but I'm like, well, you know, the way servers are sometimes it's like, well, maybe it pinged in Mexico before it came to me. I don't know. And I almost fell for it. And then I went, wait a second. No. <laughs> so, so it was funny. I actually, uh, I only was looking at it on my phone and I don't think my phone had the phishing button. Um, at least I couldn't find it cause I'm not used to using the phone app. And I just, I emailed our, our uh, Walt, our IT guy, mm -hmm. what, and, and who does our, our security. And, uh, and I said, I don't think this one's legit. He's like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you almost got me with that one just because it was, it was perfect timing. I just, and I think that's the thing that kind of, as exactly. we get to what, what can people do to protect themselves? Um, sometimes it's just being uber suspicious. <laughs> Of yeah, things and that you hate to say sound it. like it's it's uh, that that's close enough to reality, but there's something yep. wrong. Yeah, you hate to say it, but you have to suspect everything. Don't answer that phone call from a number you don't know. Don't respond to that email from a person who seems shady. And yeah. if they if they really need to get you, they'll call again, or they'll yeah. or they'll text you, or the you know there, there's other ways there. Um, right. And I'm I'm so glad to hear from the field from you. You know <laughs> that you know these these things are landing home. It used to be that for a company, security awareness training was a thing that you did once a year. You got all of the people into a conference room and they all slept for a half an hour while somebody watched, <laughs> you know, threw a bunch of slides across the screen that talked yeah. about, this is why you need to protect your stuff and make sure you lock <laughs> your computer. That stuff, it doesn't, it's proven not to work. This is yeah. the way it has to be. And I'll tell you, we have a customer who um, really flipped it, flipped the script. Um, it, it, there were, it went, not, not many years ago, the standard was that if somebody fails a, a simulated phishing test, that, that kind of gets them a mark on their HR record. And, and that's, that's still pretty commonplace because you do need to make sure that things are being protected. Um, but, and after a few, you know, negatives, then there would be, a, you know, employment action taken. And that's, that's mm. very real. We have a, a customer who went the other way and, and she keeps a jar of little candy bars on her desk. And when somebody reports a phishing message, if it's, you know, if it's really a phishing message, they get a candy bar. 
Nice. Positive reinforcement. Remember elementary school teacher, right? (laughs) It comes in handy. (laughs) Nice. And so does candy. Uh, Yes, exactly. So is there anything else, though, about that before we move on? Because I I do think it's the one. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you're ever in a position to run tests like this, or if you ever want, I will tell you, you need to be as mean as you can. You need to be (laughs) ruthless and not feel bad about it. We've had customers get upset with us because mm. we were too good at oh. getting them. And um, their, their, their argument the was, <laughs> well, in a, their yeah. argument was that we used too much insider information in the email. And um, the fa- I remember, I mean, Dave, I'm taking your story from you. Yeah. You know, well, the, yeah, if, yeah, if you want, I can. So yeah, go ahead. the information was basically um, I, I used the, the dental health insurance. And I made it real simple. Hey, if you need to, you know, opt in, opt out, check your status of your dental health insurance here. And I put the logo of the dental health insurance. And click this link and it'll fun. Right. And there was, there was a little bit of saying like, you know, pushback saying like, all right, you know, we got a lot of people with it. And there was pushback After the CEO and the director of IT were gotten. This is when it got, it got (laughs) us. And so I turned around. I was like, look, let me, I was like, let me explain how easy this is. I was like, you're at a holiday party, you know, with a bunch of people. Um, what are the first thing you're meeting random people? What's some of the first things you talk about? You know, oh, hi, you know, Bob, you know, what do you, you know, I work here. What do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, you have a person's name and where they work. And then you start up a side conversation. Oh, I just had to get dental work and I had to pay $450 out of pocket. My dental insurance sucks so bad. What's your dental insurance? Is it any better? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I can get my work to get that. So next thing you know, you have the name, where they work, you know, what they do, and then what their company's dental insurance is. There's your attack. And all you need to do is hit LinkedIn to get official titles and find logos. And I mean, it's all out there. Exactly. Absolutely. So within a, you know, a two minute casual conversation at a party, you can have tons of information for an attack, you know, to do a spear phishing. Spear phishing is a very targeted phishing Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you could do something very specific um, okay. that way, and it doesn't take much at all. Yeah. It well, as as one who has practiced with some of these, I have passed most. Have I failed one or two? I'm yes, I have. I'm learning. I'm learning. It's yeah, always an okay. ongoing thing. That's the and only that's way okay. you get better. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the only way but you get it, better. It has it has taught me to be very suspicious. Back to uh, what you said, Steve. You kind of just have to be an ultimate suspicious person when it comes to anything that you didn't expect. Yeah. And, yep. I, and that's, that's really what I've learned. I, I always joke that, you know, you want to have this Batman level of paranoia, um, <laughs> you know, where you don't trust anything, you don't trust anybody. Um, but the key thing that probably the biggest thing that people can do um, to avoid phishing emails is just slow down. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, we're in this mentality, you know, in this world where everything has to be fast, fast, fast right away. Okay. Right away. No time, no time take your time. Nobody is going to get fired for taking 30 seconds to carefully read an email. And that's all it takes. Yep. Be careful. If you see something from somebody and it's just like, you know something, I'm going to take an extra 30 seconds to call this person directly to see if this really came from them. Nobody's ever going to get fired from that. You're right. You know, people will get fired because they lost $50,000 because somebody sent out a payment, you mm-hmm. know, to, you know, somebody that, you know, they didn't verify everything like that that can happen, you right. know, and that's a very common, you know, thing where people get a hold of 
<clears throat> people, sorry, people in like financials, mm. you know, that hold the, you know, that hold the purse, the purse strings, strings and they contact them. And I used, you know, I've seen ones where people have like very specific information about like, say like a, your building lease and, you know, wow. a third party company can get compromised and they get information about everybody's building lease. And then they send out like, oh, like, you know, your payment of, you know, $15,783. They have the exact amount, you know, like didn't go through last month send it here immediately. Otherwise your lease is whatever, you know, and, right. and people do it, you know, yeah. because it works. All well, they need to do a, is get a couple enough of those. Truth. It, mm -hmm. It's enough yeah. truth to, to use, to get someone to go, Oh, that's legit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then the last thing on the list uh, was incident response. We talked a little bit about that. Um, was there anything in particular that you don't think we covered on that? That's really important to know. Just to summarize it, I mean, when 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 the storm hits, sometimes you need someone who knows how. Sometimes when when the when the when the pipes are clogged, you need a plumber. You know, and, <laughs> and you don't you don't always have to do it yourself. Um, having a team that knows how to do um, forensics, having a team that knows what to look for, how to follow a process to mm. to in a structured manner, um, do all of those things that an incident responding team should be doing to make sure you either preserve evidence in case of the need for a prosecution or to even just find out if the attack is over yet. I mean, you might yeah. not even know. You might think, okay, well, we got him out of here. So, all right, here's your computer back. And next thing you know, it flares back up again because you didn't really get rid of it. So okay. um, we, we are, uh, we are on um, call for, for the credit union, for UECU, that if there's a problem, you call us and we will solve it. So, um, and we've, we've had to do it a couple of times and we've been successful a couple of times. And, um, it's one of the things that is, is stress inducing, but amazing fun at the same time for those people who really enjoy this industry. Um, and, um, the, 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 the good part is you get to be comfort for, for people who, um, are in crisis and that well, and I think there's not, not, not much better you can do as a human being than be comfort for someone in crisis. So that's what we well, do. And I, I think too, what you were saying is it's, it's not like it, every organization goes through these moments. Like it's, yes. it's not mm -hmm. something that, like you said, you can't keep a hundred percent of it out. Yep. Um, it's just, it's just about um, uh, kind of limiting the damage. It's, it's quickly finding it out, figuring out how to root it out. Um, and yeah. that's why we rely on folks like Alpine. Um, yeah, protection because... is only one fifth of the game when it comes to information security. Protect is just one piece, and that's where all a whole lot of money gets spent. But you also need to be able to detect. You need to be able mm. to know if somebody's in the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, you need to also identify what is yours. You need to be able to say, "I know where my border is. I know what I have. I know mm. all of the machines that make up my world, and all the people, and all the tools." Um, and then you have response, which we just talked about, and recovery. Right. Recovery. People talk about the scourge of ransomware, and it truly is a scourge, ransomware. Um, if you get your, your environment encrypted and ransomed and you pay the fine, you pay the you, – you, not the fine. Listen to me. Like, it's legitimate. You pay the <laughs> yeah. ransom. Right. Um, you, know, you're, you have no guarantee that you're going to get your You're still crossing your, your fingers. Yeah, exactly. And all you're doing is saying, these people have money, and they obviously don't have good backups, so I'm going to do it again. So if you have good yeah. backups and you can recover and you can say, okay, this happened, we're going we're gonna to draw a line and say we're going to go recover back to what we were before the bad thing happened. Right. It, it's cost, it costs you a little bit of productivity, but you have avoided that 
perpetual threat hanging over your head. Yeah, and then obviously I'm assuming part of that is finding out how it happened in the first place, and that's part yeah, of that. That's part of its response, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, part of that response too, so we can kind of head it off for the next time. So. And then implement so, those things to fix it. <laughs> and, and adjust the policies and procedures, Dave, right? <laughs> yes. No, that's actually the last step is, you know, adjusting that. But one of the big things that I would add is practicing incident response. Mm. Um, yes. And the best way to do that is, um, like, we always run a lot of things for people where we do these tabletop drills, you know, they call them. We present a scenario and then have all everybody who's involved in the test talk through it, you know? So we'll sit there and say like, this happened, you know, you detect this on this server, go. And they talk and then everybody talks about it. It's not a race to get the right answer of saying like, oh, we found this here, we delete that and it's boom, we're done. You talk about things from like, oh, hey, well, wait a minute, why would that happen? Oh, hey, you know something? We need to tighten this up a little bit. You know, we need to make sure that like, you know, this is done and it causes change. And then you have, management in the room so they understand the risks that are yeah. happening and sometimes they have to make decisions you know based on what's happening and they're like well what do we do in this situation well then you talk it out so they truly understand the whole scope of it um right. and it's it's honestly been some of the most educational things for a company is having these tests for getting everybody to understand like what really is being done and how much work is really involved in it. Um, and they've been very eye-opening for a lot of people and very helpful. And the good thing is when something does arise that may or may not be an incident, they run through it like pros. Um, because they've done it before. They've, they've had done practice. it before. Exactly. And it's, okay. the, it's the same exact thing as anything else. You want to be a better golfer? You practice. You want to be better at IR? You practice. Yeah. Practice is everything. Yeah. Well... UECU is protected to the extent that we can be. And, and the truth is that um, it's important sometimes to rely on experts outside of our own building. And I think that the UECU has done a really good job of that. But sometimes that it's just one person in one position in a building can only stay up to date so far by themselves, where mm -hmm. you are a resource that has multiple prongs, multiple people that are staying in tune with what's going on in the moment every day that brings a whole other level of expertise to something that would be really hard for one person to stay on top of for an organization our size. Um, you know, cause we're kind of in that middle, we know we're, we're not huge, we're not massive, but we're also not tiny. Um, so it's kind of a nice middle road. And, and I, for us, it's the comfort that you were talking about, Steve, you know, just being able to say, okay, we know this is important and we're going to pay attention to it and we're going to put resources towards it but we're going to rely on someone else's expertise to really guide that. Um, so it's been a great partnership and I know I've heard lots of great things um, and I'm just in the marketing department, but I still hear good things um, <laughs> about the relationships. So, uh, you know, thank you for all that you guys do to keep it safe, to keep us safe, to keep our members safe um, and to help us protect our reputation. Cause we really take it personally. Like it's very important to us. Um, and that's the key that thing. Our members rely on it. That yeah. can rely on us safely. And that's one of the key things is the reason why this is so successful is because UECU wants to be successful. Right. Um, you didn't come in saying like, we need to check boxes and say we're secure. <laughs> no, right. you said, let's really make us secure. Like we, we developed your policies from the ground up and went through and had the hard conversations of what are you doing here? You know, what do you want to do here? 
yeah. making sure everything was the right size for your organization and the right fit. Um, and that level of commitment is is honestly kind of rare. A lot of people just come in and they just want to say like, oh, you know, we have a firewall, we're secure, we have antivirus, we're secure. And it's like, no, you just want to check boxes and, and go away. Like, that's not the way it works. And, and cross your fingers and pray it doesn't happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's that. Yeah. Um, and I think the truth is we all know, like I've, I've lost it with one of those phishing emails, I think once in the last five years. And, um, and you just feel miserable the, the day after you're like, oh, I can't believe I fell for that. Um, <laughs> but if we don't continue to test for it, you know, and, and stay on top of it and make it a priority, then you don't care. I, and I shouldn't say that you don't care. You just, uh -huh. you don't, it's not top of mind. Right, um, right. And I can tell you at least um, at UECU for the employees, I will speak on behalf of all hundred of us or so. Um, it's very top of mind. <laughs> you guys do a good job of keeping it in front of us and, and our staff does a great job. You know, like I said, Walt does a great job of, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that he's a great resource for us and he is. Um, so we appreciate having someone in house as well who is, you know, playing a, playing a, a puzzle piece, one of the puzzle pieces that makes that all kind of work together. So we've talked a lot about, UECU, and I don't want to um, finish this conversation without kind of bringing it home to the individuals who might be listening. Um, I think a lot of the things that we've talked about, uh, Steve, or you've already done a great job in a couple places of saying, okay, that's on an organizational level, but personally, this is what this means. Um, let's talk a little bit about what um, people can do to protect themselves. And honestly, if they've hung, on, hung in with us this long, uh, this is, you know, this is the stuff that you can really take home and, and implement for yourselves to keep you and your information safe, because frankly, it's all out there. <laughs> you know, sure. um, all of it's out there today. And so what can we do? So a couple of things I know that we kind of brainstormed about, and, and part of it's because of my role in social media here at UECU. Let's talk a little bit about that one in particular. So social media, mobile app, um, info gathering. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what those lovely, fun little surveys actually do. <laughs> I yeah. hate them with a passion yeah. uh, when I see my friends answering these 20 questions and I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. 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 Just you away the most common passwords. <laughs> oh, is that? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, a lot. Yeah. A lot of times, um, like all those questions you'll see, they're designed to be not just not necessarily the passwords, but also the, you know, your account recovery options. You know, what street were you born on? Ugh. You know, what was the name of your first pet? Things like that. And people don't you know realize that. Like, show me, show me your pets. Show me your pets. Like everybody, show me a picture of your pet. And they're like, oh, this is my dog Oscar. And next thing you know, they have their, you know, one of their account yes. recovery questions. Is Oscar. And, okay. Yeah, it's awful. Um, but it And it honestly happens. Even if you're not responding to the surveys, I mean, there's a certain amount, and again, everything is a spectrum. There's a certain amount of choice that you make every time you post any piece of information about yourself, yeah. about your life, about what's going on in your world on social media. Uh, and again, I'm not one of these people who's like, nobody should ever put anything on social media. I'm not <laughs> going to say that, but you do have to go in with your eyes wide open. And if you post, you know, just took off for our two week long vacation from Philadelphia. You just said, just left my house for two weeks by itself. Right. Um, so it's, there's, there's a certain amount of sharing versus undersharing versus oversharing. Um, I have one friend who only posts pictures of Facebook of his feet. If he's on vacation, <laughs> it's his feet in sand. If he's at home, it's his feet in the living room. That's all he does. That's his thing. You know, everybody's That's got great. their thing. 
you know? Yeah. And he calls it footbook. That, that's, he's, he's an interesting dude. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. So but, he still uh, participates. He's still active and social. He's just doing it exactly. consciously in his own his way. His classmates so, know he's alive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, 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 think, I think one of the things that at some point someone had, had said to me, and this is going back quite a ways, but if you're using an app or a service or a platform and it doesn't cost you anything. Oh, it costs you're, you. You're paying with information. Yes. yes. That's, that's really what it is that you're doing. You're paying for your time, for your attention, with your information. So it's not just that they're putting ads in front of you. People are out there in that public domain gathering data. Um, and yeah. so, it, yeah. So, yeah. I, every time I see one of my friends do that 20 question, learn about me and share this with your friends. And I'm like, mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and, and even, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just say there's already enough information out there based on what I have posted. I don't need to like create an encyclopedia of it in one post, you know? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you're making an index for it. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the, the, the other things too, are the things that you're not thinking of is even just when you launch the app, they're recording how long you're on each post. You know, they're recording where you are, you know, you're giving that information as long as you mm -hmm. haven't opted out of it on your, on your device. Um, and all of that just goes to build a profile of who you are so you can be marketed and sold to. Uh, and again, I'm not one of these people who's going to say marketing is evil. And I know you're a marketing person, so you would never want <laughs> to hear you. that. I appreciate um, that. I, th you know, <laughs> but it is a fact that if you have a conversation about a topic near a smart speaker or a phone or, or those, it, there is a certain amount of data gathering going on. Absolutely. And, the ads yeah, do And pop that's up. why you will see an ad for it in 20 minutes on your phone. Um, now, personally... I like that. I like that I can, I, I'm a convenience guy, you know, gotcha. and, but yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. yeah. I have no problem with the, the ads thing. I mean, there was articles a little while ago where things got a little shady where, and this is where the dark side of psychology comes in, where people were adjusting algorithms on social media platforms to see if they could determine and guide people's moods basically. Oh gosh. Wow. And this was a real thing. <laughs> you know, this is not an editor. It's like saying if they only show them, you know, this kind of news, oh. would they then post a certain way? Interesting. And, and you know, and it was like, it, it was short lived because people were just like, you know, that's wrong. <laughs> and they were like, right. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, darn, you caught me. Yeah. So, so these are things, if they don't go, <laughs> you know, unchecked, people tend to do bad things, you know. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things, like Steve was saying, you're giving a lot of your information with that and they're building a profile. Like, I, I'm with him. Like, as far as ads go, it's great. Like, I remember getting an ad for, like, a whiskey glass that is the best thing I've ever owned in my life. <laughs> You know, it all came from a social media ad, huh? And it's and for like a while, like I, they were feeding me this ad, and for a while I was like, "This is stupid. I'm not clicking on that." And then finally, because it was pretentious, and then I clicked on it, and I was just like, "Actually, this was well targeted ad. This is a great product for me." Um, so it can work, and I'm yeah. appreciative of that. But when they start doing the other things, you know, sometimes you have to step away. Life so is one a series thing, of decisions. Yeah. So you know, Android, Apple, everybody has their reasonings for liking one or the other. Um, but downloading apps through app stores, you know, how do you how do you decide, like, what's a good app and what's not a good app? Because they collect a lot of information too. Like, where yeah, do you it's draw a, hard a line? Question to answer. I mean, I 
I've gotten to the point where I'm, I don't download new apps very often because I am uh. old and set in my ways. <laughs> <laughs> I know but that eight games I play every night before I can fall asleep. <laughs> but you have a 15 year old, you know, I who's do. asking you. Yeah. So like, I just like, those are the things where the average person, I, you, you find an app, it looks good. It's free download. Well, what are, yeah. what are the security permissions that it's asking for? And, and does it seem to be in alignment with what it is that you're really doing in that app? Like, those are the questions great, I ask myself. A great example is when, when Pokemon Go first came out. Huge hit. Amazing success. The first thing when in their first version, it asked you to log in with your Google account. And instead of taking the time to just ask for the information they needed, they took everything like if you looked at the mm. google are you do you know your sharing list it was like that long Massive permissions yeah yeah mm. and you know they they quickly released a new version that was <laughs> oh no, that was a mistake we didn't mean to do it sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they so, um i'm, I'm going yeah. through that a lot with uh my son i have an, I have an eight-year-old mm. and and he's got like you know or one somebody's old phone and he's like playing some games on there and stuff just on Wi-Fi. So he's like, we're making sure he's not communicating out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he doesn't have free reign to just download stuff. Everything has to go through a check and we even limit it because he's just, he was being crazy about it. <laughs> um, but you look at it, you know, you look at reviews. Does mm -hmm. it have, you know, if, if it's a garbage app, you know, a lot of people will say it's a low review, like, and they'll say why, like it's asking for too much information. It's, okay. you know, it's just bombarding me with ads, you know, all kinds of things like that. So you can look at it that way. Um, seeing how many people have downloaded it. If it's like a really popular, you know, well-crafted game, that's like, you know, it's actually good. Millions of people will have downloaded it. Usually. Gotcha. And, you know, you'll be able to see a lot of reviews on that. Like if it's a million people downloaded it, but it's only got a two-star review. There's mm -hmm. a reason. There's a reason for it. Right. You know, okay. If only 140 people have downloaded it and, you know, all the reviews are like really high up, uh, but they all are the cut and paste of the same exact thing, that could be someone trying to pull something. Okay. Um, so you really have to like, you know, dig in and, you know, be, be skeptical. We have to pay attention. And I think mm -hmm. that's a yeah. big part with anything. And, and uh, I know the same thing goes with, um, uh, you know, downloading free images. And, and the big thing there for a while was the free desktop. Uh, what do you, what the do you call it? The background wallpapers. The backgrounds, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and different things like, oh, it's free, it's free. Or you go to a certain website and I'm searching for a particular image. Oh, download for free. Just download this extension. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, now, I, and I say that on a personal level, I wouldn't do it sure. personally, but even at the credit union, I couldn't do it if I wanted to. I might be able to download the file, but I certainly wouldn't be able to execute it. Um, you know, our systems are set up to not let us do that. So, you know, good thing. Um, go. that, that's good security. Uh, but in our personal lives, I, you know, we've had situations in our family where computers have gotten taken over and um, because someone's downloaded a free game or, you know, something along those lines. And they've they've just, you know, hit that dot exe file and off it went. And who knows mm -hmm. what it did, um, you know, or PDF or whatever, because things get attached to all kinds of things now. So um, it's just a Going back to our, our earlier comment, Uber suspicious. Just yeah. be suspicious Trust and be yeah. yeah. And if and if it's free, just remember it's probably not. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of in my mind when I look at it, go, it's free, but mm, I'm not taking that chance. Uh, I'll pay five bucks. I'll pay ten dollars <laughs> right. to know that I've gotten you know an image that I want properly downloaded from a trustworthy source. 
you know, it's worth going from a marketing perspective. It's worth having an account with an image directory, um, you know, to be able to do those kinds of things. Right. Okay, so we've talked that. Um, let's talk a little bit about passwords, account access, best practices. You know, what are the <laughs> kinds of things, passwords in and of themselves, I think it might be the one thing that people think about the most. And yet it's that, how am I going to keep track of 50 different passwords for 50 different things? And I'm supposed to keep them all different. How do I keep them different and keep tabs? So what are some things that um, though our listeners can maybe kind of take to heart as some, uh, some suggestions on what they can do to keep themselves safe with their passwords? Gotcha. All right. I feel very passionate about this. So I'm glad we got to this. Okay, good. This, this, point. <laughs> this is the gold. This is the gold. Bookmark this spot. No. Okay. Um, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there is, um, there, there, there are, there's a lot of churn happening in the password authentication, um, world right now. Um, okay. a lot of companies, big companies like Microsoft and Google are actually moving away from passwords and you'll read hmm. things online that have things like, you know, when you log in, it's going to pop up and prompt you on your phone. And that's when that's how you will authenticate as opposed to having a password that can be taken and compromised and stolen and all of that. Um, that may be true. Mobile app, just saying. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just going to bring that back out there for a moment. It's one of the reasons when we did, uh, you know, our most recent changes is because it gives us things like multi-factor authentication yes. and an ability mm -hmm. or push notifications to the phone to say, yep, that's me. Um, yep. those things are really important. And so they you might, are, and there's like, so much now more our important. Situation, we, we're still using a password, but there's sure. a backup. So you're saying there's actually some things coming down the road where no passwords needed. Yeah, yeah, and, and nice. using physical things, <laughs> plugging yeah, plugging a USB device into your computer and that being your authentication mechanism, using your face, using your fingers. There's a okay. lot of ways to authenticate that a person is who they say they are, and that's truly what it comes down to. Um, right. I will say this. The password, P-A-S-S-W-O-R-D, is not that much worse than one exclamation point, number, three, four, eleven... It, Password, the, the, the speed by which a password can be cracked is to the point now where the most complex password and the simplest password are pretty much the same. Really? So that, it, it is true. It is true. Now, that said, a complex one in a system that, that you don't know how they're authenticating you, you don't know if it's a, a random website that you're going to, um, be safe, make it complex. Um, and I will say that my best piece of advice here is use a password manager. Okay. Absolutely use a password manager, whether it's LastPass. Um, we use one at Alpine called Keeper that we like. Um, there are da Dashlane. I, could, I couldn't name them all. Bitwarden. There's a, so many of them out there. Um, buy one. Pay for one. Okay. Use pay it. Pay for it. Yeah, pay for it and use it. Now that, that there are going to be some people who are like, "Oh, I can do it for free using Bitwarden." Yes, there are solutions that are free, but they require a high level of technical knowledge in order okay. to keep it safe. So, pay for one. It's a couple bucks a month, and it is so worth it. Buy it for your whole family. That way, when your your child needs needs a password to get into something, you can just share it. You're not texting it. You're not emailing it. Oh my God, email is the worst insecure mechanism by which you can share something. Um, yeah. Use a password manager and most password managers will have a piece that goes into your browser, an extension that will automatically fill your passwords for you onto a website when you go to it. Okay. So what? That means I don't even need to know what the password is. Okay. Making my password 
Oscar one, two, three, and then Oscar two, three, four, and then Oscar three, four, five is horrible <laughs> because you're essentially reusing the same thing and it will get stolen. It will get taken. So if you have a password that was generated by clicking a button and it's now a random smack of the keyboard, that's right. the best way for you not to even know what it is. If you have to use a password, use a password that's as complex as can be and that you don't know. I think um, you should be a little more passionate about this, Steve. <laughs> and multi-factor authentication, please, please, please. And when I say multi-factor authentication, use ones whenever you can that prompt and an app. Ones that text you are not as good because telephone numbers can be cloned. And okay. you're, yeah, that's like, now sometimes so like Google Authenticator the, or like Google Duo Authenticator, or Microsoft Authenticator. Okay. Yes. Um, that a lot of the apps, like if you use LastPass or Keeper or any of those, I'm not going to list them all again. Um, most of them will now also keep the, your second factor for you and will autofill it for you, yeah. which is nice as well. Um, okay. So th that there, there is a lot of value to be had by using one of these password managers. And um, yeah, it, make sure that you put everything in there. It will, most of them will now tell you, hey, you've reused this same password 10 times. Mm -hmm. Go fix it. Don't just say, right. yep, that's right. I did use it 10 times. But no, <laughs> that's, go fix it. Um, and a lot of them will even do dark web searches to say your email account with that password were found in a known breach of LinkedIn or Adobe or whatever it okay. may be. Um, so there's a lot of value to that. Now, and I'll, I'll just you, add the human element to this. So yeah. and I, just speaking from some friend, family and friend experience, password managers used within a family are also incredibly helpful if someone passes away. I was about to say that, yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's just one of those things like I, I know be, between online shopping and all the things that I do on a daily basis, I probably have 100 passwords. I, I, I'm sure that I do. And I think about like I'm, I'm the, I'm the at-home IT tech person. So if anything goes wrong, if someone needs a password, if someone needs something downloaded, that's my job. I do that which is kind of a joke in and of itself because I'm in marketing, <laughs> but that's just the case. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the at home IT support person. Um, but the truth is if something were to happen to me for my husband to have access to all of our financial accounts, our medical information, our, you know, whatever um, for Pete's sake for, to our IRS account, you know, like sure. these things, there would be no way I, I, we used to keep a paper list of passwords and I'm like, we can't do this anymore. We need to go online. We need to do this. So we do have a password manager and I share it with him and vice versa. And we save mm -hmm. things to that. Um, and one of us might be a little resistant yet at times, but, uh, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is it does really, you know, on a personal level, there's val there's real value to having those password managers beyond just being safer. Um, it really can help in a difficult time. Absolutely. It solves a problem for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely strongly recommend that you buy into it and get the rest of your family into it. I mean, it's, and start him young. My 15 year old has his own account already. And you know, we, we share passwords that way. He knows never text me a password. Um, mm -hmm. don't use teams. Don't use Slack. Don't use, I mean, don't use WhatsApp. D d just don't. Uh, one okay. thing I will say, uh, there was a big data breach at the beginning of this year at LastPass. Um, and it kind of scared a lot of people away from password managers. Uh, LastPass did some bad things, and honestly, I don't like them. 
anymore because of the bad things that they did that were kind of um, easily avoidable, um, and they didn't. So um, that said, I hold grudges, but that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm always (laughs) right. Um, There are are definitely um, good things that came out of it. I can't imagine LastPass having another breach the way they did, um, and they really came out with a lot of guidance um, on the tail end of it that to 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 protect yourself from okay. that data being used. So, um, if you're a LastPass user, that doesn't mean go burn it, but that means go back and read those emails that they sent to you like three months ago, saying go change your passwords or uh, whatever other guidance they gave uh, right. in, in those emails. Yeah, especially that master password. That <laughs> right from yeah. there, you maybe ought to at least change that one. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that is, so, and actually I think I saw something from them recently. They are kind of working towards that no password access, mm-hmm. um, to identify. And that's, you know, we, sometimes we get members who call, well, not sometimes every time a member calls in, um, we have a protocol to identify that person on the other end of the phone. And we ask a lot of questions, sure. um, you know, and if they don't know some of the basic information that we think they should know, we'll continue to ask what we call you know, out of wallet questions, things that wouldn't necessarily someone could find in your wallet. Um, they, you know, personal questions based on transaction history or information that they've shared with us previously. And I know some of our members, especially, you know, in that phone call situation when they really just want to get a quick answer, it can kind of be annoying. Yeah. Um, and, and I honor that fact that it can be a little bit annoying, but there's a reason why we do that. Um, and again, it's that human engineering. It's that, uh, you know, that uh, social engineering. It's, it's that yeah. someone could be calling us with just enough information to make them to make us believe that they're you. And the fact is, that's why we ask four or five questions, you know, and 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 change them. You know, if you call back every week, they're not the same questions. Right. Uh, and that's just to protect you. That's to protect your information. And frankly, if you're working with a financial institution that doesn't do that, that's a huge red flag. So Absolutely. inconvenience is worth it. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. uh, that extra 30 seconds or one minute of time that it takes um, is your your financial institution should absolutely be doing that. Um, and not just your financial institutions, other things that, you know, other groups that you talk to that you are providing personal information or getting personal information, um, you know, you want that high level of security because today it's just too easy. It's too easy to get at it. Absolutely. All right. So passwords, we talked about password managers, uh, multi-factor authentication. I know we said the word, but just to kind of back that up, um, like it can be through a text message or an email. Um, Like you said, it's probably better if it's a push authentication, which is usually just a a little notification that pops up on your phone because you've Mm -hmm. kind of notified them that that device belongs to you. Um, And hopefully... You have a password on your phone, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you have, or you're using a face ID a or you're face using ID a or fingerprint, the touch ID. Yep. something um, to protect yourself. Because if you drop your phone and someone does, you know, figures out enough of your information because you haven't locked your phone, lock your phone. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I'm going to say it again. It the, so here's so what my easy. passion is. Lock your phone. Absolutely. Um, and, if you have, and if you have a smartwatch. Lock your watch because it's connected to your phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's all there's lots of little things that, you know, minor inconveniences throughout the day, maybe having to swipe something or put in a password or use your fingerprint. Totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it. Um, so, Absolutely. You know, yeah. So multi-factor is a big thing. Um, it, it annoys my husband to, 
no end, especially if it's my account and that multi-factor comes to my phone. He's like, I just sent you a thing. Can you tell me what, you know, I mean, let's be honest as a family, we do those things. We pop into sure. each other's accounts and do stuff like that. So anyway, uh, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, but that's a really important and good thing to have. Um, okay. So uh, one of the resources when you and I talked, when the two of you and I talked uh, previously was have I been pawned? Dot com. Yeah, Can you talk a little to, bit about what that is? Because, I, you know, just for the average person, like, oh, do I really need to worry about this? This is an interesting site. <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a terrible name. It's Have I Been Pwned? And it's, <laughs> pwned, have sorry. I been? Yeah, I even said it wrong. It, pwned, P-W-N. It's a gaming P -W -N. term. Have I Been Pwned.com. So if you can figure out a spell for me saying it, mean, maybe it'll be in the, in the notes. I'll put, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. What you do on that website, it's a it's a free service from a trusted source where you can put your email address, and that's it, not a password, nothing like that. You put it your email address, and it will tell you all of the different dark web br leaked breaches that your webs that your email account was found in. Mm. Okay, now it's interesting. There's there's a lot there's value to it, and there's less value to it, right? Okay. So if it's if it if it's telling you about something that was from five years ago and you know you've changed the password since then, not as okay. important. Okay. But if it's something that just happened a couple of months ago or you know you haven't changed your password in the last five years, that should prompt you to go change your passwords on things. Okay. I mentioned earlier, LinkedIn has had breaches. And again, I don't mean to pick on them. Everybody's had breaches. It's, Everybody at this has. point, it's not, it's not a black healthcare market. Healthcare systems. You know, you know I Absolutely. mean, it's, it's healthcare insurances, all kinds of, all kinds yep. of things. You know, a lot of groups, a lot of reputable groups, I might add, have had breaches. And it's like you said, it's kind of how do they respond? How are they right. helping people get through it? But this, this website, and I will put it in the show notes so that you can uh, click on it and put in your email address and, just maybe do a, a little bit of a wake maybe up call. Maybe take some action. Yeah. Yeah. And just <laughs> maybe if it's, if it's one of those things that says, oh, you know what? Maybe I should go in and change that password to my email that I haven't changed in 15 years. Yeah. Uh, it's time. Um, By the way. It's time. To that end, there's a couple of things in there. So your email is one of the most important passwords that you have. Why is that? Well, because if you go to a website or something that's not your email and you click forgot my password, what's it going to do? It's going to send it to send your email. To your email. Change that right. password on a regularity. You know, if you can remember to do it and set yourself a schedule, do it every six months, do it every three months, do it every year. Like, just do it. Just change that password on your email with some level of regularity. There's um, a lovely the, little if, thing on this device called a calendar. Yeah, it'll do that. <laughs> you, can you can even tell it to remind you. Hold down that button and, you can, and it'll tell you. <laughs> you yeah, and you can, you can set a recurring, like monthly, quarterly, every six months little thing on yep. there that says, hey, change your email password. So use it to your advantage. This is a computer in your pocket. Um, yep. I say this for financial purposes. Put your bill dates on there. Did I pay my credit card mm -hmm. bill? If you want a good credit score, pay your bills on time. So there there's go. my financial push for the day, but uh, <laughs> this is this is a wonderful tool if used properly, and that changing your passwords is a good one to add to that reminder list. Yeah, there's and by the way, this. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I just one more thing, mm -hmm. and then I'll shut up. I, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the um, we tell you, we told you before the reason for using password manager is so you don't reuse your passwords. That's the point. If your password was taken on some podunk. My son's password for a school account was taken on a 
website that they used in a class in fifth grade to make a comic book. Oh my! The word. website went out of business, but guess what? That was his Google password, and his school district wouldn't allow him to change it. No. They heard from their cybersecurity <laughs> parent, Parody. and we had we had them allowed it, uh, allowed to change it. But that's the point. If uh, your password is reused, even if you're mm. fancy and you have three passwords that you reuse on different sites, when you lose it once, you lose it across multiple systems, and you're just right. exposing yourself. When all you need is a good password manager, and you know that risk is gone. It is truly gone. But, so it sounds okay. to me like that's okay. Now, and 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 Dave, maybe you can chime in on this a little bit too. So it sounds to me like it's kind of the aggregation of all of the breaches. So you know, someone gets your email and your password, and then they find out that oh, that same email was used on this site, and now I can get into that site with that yep. information from that other breach, and it's just kind of a dark web. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Look um, at you. <laughs> it, it, hey, I'm, I'm doing IT funnies now. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, it. I think it's just important that it's not something that we're mindful of every day. It's like I throw in my password. I get what I want. I get out. Right. Um, but now that there have been years and years and years of these breaches, if you're not updating your security information, your passwords, all of that good stuff, they begin to snowball. Yeah. On each other. Yeah, and it's work to clean up after that. <laughs> yes. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. We don't. Nobody wants that. Um, okay. So, um, real, phone, real quick. Oh, go ahead. No, actually, please do. <laughs> there was actually one thing. Um, take advantage of uh, things that are offered. Um, like, for example, um, I use the uh, Google Android phone, the Pixel series. Um, they are known for having, you know, a much higher degree of security, like on their phones, because it's direct from Google. They have a vested interest in making sure they're very safe. Um, additionally, I paid for a service that initially I just needed more space for storage. Okay. So I paid for this Google One service. Well, then I started getting emails saying of all these additional features for it, they did security checks, you know, hmm. based off my information and gave reports on that. So you can check reports on that. They give you a free VPN, not a free, you're paying for it, but they give you a VPN to use while you're out. So if you go, you know, um, a VPN is a, stands for virtual private network. Um, it's basically another layer of protection um, to make sure that your, um, you know, that your connection's encrypted. If you're going to say like, oh, you're staying at a hotel and their hotspots wide open or, God forbid you're at an airport and you connect to something. <laughs> Never do that. do that. Just don't. don't Just do at, oh. at an airport, take a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't. That bad, huh? Yeah. Just you know, play okay. you know, play Game Boy or something. Don't 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 connect any Wi-Fi there. Um, Interesting. I didn't know they were that bad. Oh, well, think about people... it. You got bad guys flying in, stealing data, and flying out. I mean, yeah. you, you have you have you know, you'll never find them. Yeah. Okay. Um, but take advantage of that stuff because, like the Google one, for instance, it's very low cost. Um, you get extra space, but you get all these additional, you know, security features from it. Take advantage of that stuff um, okay. because it's 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 a great value. Yeah, I, well, and I think it's it, it's in a in a way, I'll I'll pull in the financial term. It's kind of an investment. Sure. Um, you know, it's more than just insurance. It's it's kind of 
Because a lot of those services, too, and I know we have some services here at UECU based on uh, like our visa card and um, in our checking accounts that they have some ID theft protection and, and restoration mm-hmm. kind of services built in. Um, those things are are no joke. When it happens to you, when your ID is, is uh, you know, when someone has gone through ID theft and they're cleaning up their credit report and all the heartache and the money and sometimes lawsuits and, I mean, it can get really time consuming and expensive. Um, so taking the time to purchase services like that, that headed off to begin with, um, are well worth the money. And you can really look at it as an investment in uh, saving time for later and finances. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it, it is very, very important. All right. Um, email breast, best blah, email best practices. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the phishing that you guys do that I get, <laughs> but on a personal level, like what are the things that people should really look for to avoid the phishing kinds of things, whether it's a text message or in the email, um, like you said, it kind of comes in all different ways now. Um, what are the, some of the things that they really need to think about before they're providing uh, responses to some of these things? I was going to let you talk first on this one, Dave. I was going <laughs> to oh, okay. let you take it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So this may be a little bit out of left field, but I'm actually a fan of using multiple email accounts. Okay. Um, and what I'll do is I'll separate uh, things. Um, so if like if I'm signing up for store stuff or anything like that, like if you have to sign up for like a website, I will use a different email for that. Okay. You know, so they're sending like, you know, you're getting kind of like, you know, almost like a junk email, you know, you're box. building your own junk email box. Okay. You don't have to worry <laughs> about that. And then you could have like one that's set aside for like, you know, that you do for like your financial, your credit cards and your financial stuff. So the only things that should be going to that account are your, you know, your, your finance, your valued information and your valued information. And you mm-hmm. keep that one extra safe. This okay. is going way because I can I, already see. You're, 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 you're insane. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> oh, I can already one see one I'll mistake. What, <laughs> I tell you what, Steve. I I actually do it. I had my old, you know, from younger years, an email that just became a spam box. And I get I that for time new, based. Yeah, I created to, a new email, remember, and yeah, I only well, they all filter into the same box, so I can kind of see it. Sure. Um, but I know that if it's to my particular email address that I only do for family, financial, and medical, like that's it. Um, and very that's cool. important things like and, that. And the reason I know that's legit. Right. And the reason, because like I'll see stuff to like, you know, my one that's getting my account that's going for like, you know, businesses and stuff. I'll get emails saying that, oh, your you know, your credit card information is like, you know, wrong for mm. here or something like that. It's like, no, that's not the email I signed up for that. That would be over here if that was legitimate. So it's real easy to spot like, you know, things like that in there again. This I'm is not my saying neurosis. you can't do it. I'm just saying it's <laughs> tough. It's tough to maintain if oh. so. One thing as a note to something similar to that, um, if you use Gmail for your email um, or a service that uses Gmail, whatever, you, there's a couple of neat tricks that people might not know. If you put, um, it, let's let's say your um, your email address is Janine at gmail.com. Um, if you put Janine plus, and then literally anything you want, Janine plus spam, Janine plus credit cards, Janine plus, it'll still get to you and you can automate, you can create rules in Gmail to put that into a folder or into a 
trash can oh, to, to filter it based on that, but to filter, make your own filter so it's rules. Like a rule. So you can set up rules. Okay. Right. But you can even do it like as you sign up, like for a new department store, you can do Janine plus department stores at gmail.com. It'll go to Janine at gmail.com, but it'll have that flag built into it. Um, oh. So that, that's a handy little tip. And then the I other one is, that. yeah, it's pretty cool. The other one is dots in a Gmail address. Gmail ignores dots. So j.anine at gmail.com is the same as janine at gmail.com. So you can also get, get fancy and creative if you wanted to just by doing like introducing dots into the middle of your email. They'll still go to the same place, but you can then create filter rules around them. Very, very. So, so okay. That, the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that takes effort. Both of those. Things it all does. Take, it all takes some effort. But what are some of the things that people really should look for within an email that should go? Mm, that, gotcha. that 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 that's a, that's something that I should worry about. That that raises the red flag. Um, what Biggest are some one. things that we can help them kind of figure out? Urgency. Urgency is a huge one. You have to do this right now. Playing uh, on fears. Um, okay. you know, if something's saying like, you know, you're going to get, you know, in trouble if you don't do this, like you're going to get, you know, canceled. Some of the big, this is going to yeah, get canceled or yeah, you know, your prime account, I get prime accounts one. It's like crazy lately, you know, okay. going to the wrong email address. Thank you very much. It works. <laughs> <laughs> but they come up and they say, you know, your prime account is about to be canceled. You need to update your, you know, your credit card information. You know, that because and it's but they always put urgency to it. So like anything okay. comes in, it's demanding you do something right away. Take action right away is a huge red flag. And by the way, okay. that applies to voicemail messages and SMS mm -hmm. messages as well. You know, yeah. oh, we got to try one more time or then we're going to have to close out your account. I need to know if I can give you uh, that loan that you asked for. What do you mean you're going to okay. close out my account? You can't close my account. You know, like, right. for me, the best tip I can give on email is if it smells wrong, it's wrong. Mm. If you don't expect that kind of an email, if, if, if you get a Facebook friend request from your husband and you know you're already friends with your husband, that doesn't mean that they've been hacked. That just means that they've probably been replicated, not the person, yeah. the account. Right. You know, <laughs> nobody wants their significant other replicated. I get that. We haven't figured <laughs> out cloning. That we're not talking yeah. about cloning technology yet. Yeah, right. don't discount the replication. That could totally happen. <laughs> yeah. I saw a, a movie about documentary. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I do think those things are important, and and it's just it's kind of if I could like if I could go to my friends who I know have had issues, whether they're young or old, it's just be suspicious, and yes. it comes back to. You know, if 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 I send you something with a link to a video and I says somebody died, you know, that's a big one now on Facebook. Um, you know, I, I'm not like I would not do that. Number one, like that's <laughs> out of character for me. Um, if, if I'm sending you an email and it just has a link in it, you know, I like to talk. I will write 10 sentences to describe the link before I give you a link. Like so it's it's know who's sending you things if. If they're sending you something that you suspect that you didn't ask for, I'm, I think for me, one of the big things was don't click the link, go to the source. So mm -hmm. like if it's an Amazon Prime thing and your account's getting, you know, uh, your your payment didn't go through and we're going to cancel your account. So mm -hmm. go to Amazon.com and log into your account and look at your payment sources. Did you miss a payment? Like 
go to the source and don't always rely on the links. And this is coming from someone that does email marketing for the credit union. Right. You, know, you can <laughs> mm-hmm. always call us if you if you get something, because the truth is there's bad actors out there who use the name of UECU or Utilities Employees Credit Union to text you, email you, call you and ask for personal information. We never, ever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to send you an email that asks you to fill out a form with your account number or your social security number, or we're not going to verify you that way. Right. We will, we will, we might call you, but even if we call you, feel free to hang up and call back. Mm-hmm. We'll get you to the right person. Um, it, it's okay to be suspicious. Matter of fact, I encourage it. Um, I've done that so many times. Where... You've hung up and called back. Yeah, I've hung up on people and I'm like, oh, that was legit. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, like, we're not going to take that personally. I promise. Like, we might be annoyed for two minutes and go, you know what? They're just being safe. And that's what we want our members to do. So, okay, cool. Call back. Here's my name. If you don't believe me, here's my name. You can, you know, our phone number. I don't even need to give you the phone number. Or if I do give you the phone number, feel free to look it up. Make sure it's a legit phone number. Because, Um, yeah, the scammers that call will go really far. Oh my God, yeah. Steve! Steve, remember that one time where we we got a scammer on the line? Oh, that was yeah, that we and were we, mean. Yeah. yeah, but that's and okay. We, it was mean. Yeah. We were mean to a bad person, but that's okay. <laughs> and we were we were trying to drag it out in the story, and we wanted to see how far this guy would go, and they go far. Like they I was do. acting like I was a kid, yeah, who was like who messed up the screaming computer. in the background, yeah, yeah, and he said like you know well. You know, doesn't your mom have a credit card? You can go like they usually keep a credit card, a safe one in like a drawer somewhere. Go look in the drawers for it. Oh, um, wow. And I just remember being on the like we were we were in a conference room together and I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, be suspicious. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. And feel free to go to the source. If somebody's Absolutely. asking you for information in particular, personal identifying information, Mm -hmm. um, stuff that's really valid, like important numbers, like social security numbers don't get changed easily. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, those kinds of things, they might be out there, but if somebody's asking you for it, feel free to call back, you know, feel free to find that phone number on your statement or on our website or someplace where, you know, it's legitimately coming from us and Mm -hmm. then call us. And if we don't know what the conversation was about, guess what? We have like notes on accounts. We can check to see who was calling you. Um, you know, there's ways for us to get you to the right person if it was a legitimate call. And we will certainly do that. So, um, okay. So we've talked a lot about that and we are talking a long time about all of these things. And I don't want to, I don't want to take advantage of your time. Um, so let me just wrap up with a couple things. Um, you know, keep, we've talked about keeping your information safe. One thing I will ask you to do, particularly at UECU or any place else where you have personal identifying information is make sure that your contact information with us is up to date. Because if we're suspicious, we're sending text messages to confirm things, um, or we're calling you, or you might not have access to your accounts if you don't have legitimate contact information on our records. Um, and I think that should be the case for no matter you know who you have accounts with, and especially like medical information, credit card information, bank accounts, um, anything that's really important information to you, make sure that those people you're working with know how to contact you. Um, it's There's nothing more frustrating than the members like, I can't get into my account. Well, the last time you updated your email address was 15 years ago and you've changed right. it three times. You know, it's hard for us to 
to do our part of our job if our members aren't meeting us halfway mm-hmm. and updating that contact information. So, I, you know, as far as personal tips, that would be high on my list um, for the groups that you want to actually do business with. They should know how to contact you in case there is fraud on your account or something looks suspicious because we are uber suspicious and that's <laughs> yeah. important. And you want us to be because we're protecting you by doing that. Um, another thing, when we had talked uh, previously, there were a couple of resources that you had given me, um, which I think are really important to share. And I will put these links in the show notes. Um, guess what? The United States of America has a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. Who knew? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, CISA for short, CISA.gov. Um, and you can go there and you can learn all kinds of wonderful things. But there's actually a link I will provide in the show notes directly to something called an article that they have called four things you can do to keep yourself cyber safe. Um, And so I thank Dave and and Steve for passing that on. It sounds like a great spot to go. Um, Government websites are usually a good place to go for general knowledge of information of, you know, your IRS account, all those kinds of things. You can learn an awful lot on legitimate websites. Uh, But then there's also great organizations out there as well. And another one that they gave me was um, security.org. and they have an online safety resource. Uh, it's actually a cybersecurity tips page. So I will put a link to that as well. And then just here at UECU, because we do think this stuff is just so important and we hate it when our members are involved in a fraud situation. I trust me, we hate changing people's card numbers as much as you hate having changed card numbers, <laughs> uh, but we do it to keep you safe and to keep your, your, um, your credit safe, to keep um, the fraud number's low because it's costly. I mean, we talked in the beginning about the millions of dollars um, that go into some of these breaches and things, and we're trying to keep all of that at bay. Um, so you can go to uh, the UECU website and slash fraud prevention. Um, so two words, but smushed together, uecu.org slash fraud prevention. Um, and I will put a link to that in the show notes as well so that you can see resources that we've specifically Uh, made available to our members to kind of get all of those things in line. And look, I I will end this by saying none of this is fun. All right. It's it's like Uber homework. Right. It's like uh, never nobody likes homework um, until the moment that you didn't do it. Um, And this is just absolutely one of those things. So um, I think my final note on the cybersecurity issues are just remember that all of the organizations that you do work with, like UECU or like we do with Alpine, um, is only the technology part, is only the training the staff part, um, and you're part of that relationship. And so the things that you do personally to protect your own information um, is just or maybe more important um, than what we do on our end, um, because the more you do it, uh, the safer you are in the long run, and you do not want to go through an ID theft case. It's not fun. Um, we've helped a lot of our members walk through those dark days and they're not, they're not easy. Um, so prevention is key. So I will, I will kind of leave it at that. Any final comments you guys want to make about um, just cybersecurity that individuals can really take to heart to maybe encourage them or uh, things that you just wish if you could only do one thing today, what would it be? I, so unfortunately, there's there's not a whole lot of magic bullets in in mm. cybersecurity. So I'm I'm going to actually go a little different route and just reiterate okay. what something that Dave said earlier, which is practice. You have to make it part of 
when you get on a computer, this is the mindset you get in. This is the work that you do. You need to enough. If we're, if I were talking to people within a company, I would say you need to have a security culture. You need to treat security as something that's in front of your face. And that's part of everything that you do when you're at home, you're not going to change your culture at home. When you're, when you're at home, you do have to start building the muscle and it is a muscle that has to be trained. It has to be repeatedly exercised in order for it to be effective and to grow. Um, and that's the way you need to treat information security. Next time you make a password, don't make it something that you type on the keyboard, make it something that you put in next time that you have to type in a password. Think about when's the last time I changed it. I'll change that mm. now. Next time that you have the option to set up multi-factor authentication and you say, eh, no, do it. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way you're going to, it's, I, I used to play hockey and I played defense and I love playing defense, but the thing that's bad about playing defense is the other side only has to get through one time and you failed. So yeah. you have to be vigilant and keep him out as many are times you as you can. Are you telling me I have to be offensive, Steve? Well, <laughs> some people are more offensive than others. You're, you're not very offensive, I'll have to say. <laughs> no, but I'll play offense. You know, that's the yeah. truth of it is uh, get out there and do some things. And I think what I like about what you said is in particular is um, in the moment, like when you're doing something that's about a password, like take the extra 30 seconds yep. to make it to make it, uh, you know, very difficult or make it, put not it into a manager, a put it into the password yeah, manager, manager. Right then in there. Yeah. 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 Great. Great idea. How about you, Dave, anything that, uh, that you would think top of mind, what should I do? Um, you actually just had, you actually just touched on it by taking <laughs> I talked your time right over you. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, taking, take your time. Okay. And that goes with everything. Take your time to do, you know, make a better password, take your time, to really read the email, you know, take your time to be suspicious. Just slow it down a notch. That's all. I mean, okay. this, I, I think we can benefit in this world if everybody just takes it back a notch anyway and just slows down and, you know. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's just good advice and everything in general. But in particular, you know, with your cybersecurity, with like, you know, looking at emails, talking to people on the phone when they randomly call you, you know, yeah. things like that. Just take your time. Really be you know, thoughtful about what you're doing. And if you're thoughtful about what you're doing, you'll make less mistakes. You know, it's, it's really that simple when it comes to that. So here's the interesting thing is at the end of every podcast, I always like to ask my guests for a financial tip. And if you have one, I'm, I would love to hear something that just, you know, if you could have made a different decision in your youth or, you know, some financial uh, wisdom, <laughs> I would love to hear it. But I will say this. The things that you just said affect your finances. You know, mm -hmm. the fact is keeping your passwords safe. Um, that's a financial decision. You know, slowing down when you see an email or you get a phone call that's urgent. That's a financial decision. Um, and so I won't stop you from giving a financial tip if you want one. But frankly, I think your cybersecurity tip played both sides of that coin very nicely. Well, I was just yeah. going to add, save early, save often. If you have a 401k, uh, max it out. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. I like that one. I like that one. That's also very true, especially if they're matching in any way. That's free money. It's free that's money. free money. Do it, do exactly. it. <laughs> uh, um, so my biggest regret is um, the first Apple computer I bought, as opposed to buying Apple stock with that same amount of money. <laughs> So in other words, yeah. you wish you would have had a crystal ball? 
Yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I knew they were a good company, but I bought this thing and I spent a lot of money right before it exploded, oh, and, which, wow. is, which is just my luck. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I will say this. I get it, but I will take this lesson from that is invest early and often. So back yes. to what you said, save, save money and save often and same things with investments. So yeah, those are both great tips. <laughs> there's times, especially when you see a company, it's just like, oh man, they're really doing something good. Uh, maybe maybe don't spend five hundred dollars on the first iPod and invest in the stock instead. <laughs> yeah, jump on that train in a different way, huh? Well, thank you guys so much for today. I and I know we have taken an awful lot of your time, but uh, I really think this information is valuable, and it's it deserves so much more than a fifteen second soundbite. Um, it deserves more than a, a two hundred word article because it really does affect every part of our lives and. Um, I will just wrap this up by saying tomorrow we are not going to live any less digital a footprint than we do today. It will only be growing. Um, if we haven't figured that out by now, it's not going to get less complicated. Right. Um, so if there's simple things that we can do today, like a password manager or just changing your 15 year old email password, uh, you know, if you do that today, um, it will pay dividends uh, going forward. And so, uh, you know, the next time you create a new password because you're shopping at a new site, just think a little bit differently about those kinds of things. I will put all of the resources that we've talked about today in the show notes. Um, and I look forward to hopefully hearing some conversation on social media as we post some clips from this event, just to kind of get people thinking about, um, you know, what are the things that we just don't take that 30 seconds or that one minute to do that we really should be doing to protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our finances. Um, and just know that, you know, we're on your side. UECU and Alpine together. We're working on things to keep yourself safe here. Um, but don't forget to do your own part and, and keep that information up to date and stay safe. Uh, we don't want to have to be doing a, a theft, an ID theft call with you to help you work through challenges and changing and closing accounts and reopening new accounts. And you think getting one new card is not fun? Wait till you have ID theft and then yeah. all of your numbers change, except your social security number, because that's really hard to come by. So um, protect your information. Um, and I hope that if you have questions that you'll present them to us, uh, whether through social media or give us a call at UECU. Uh, we are not cybersecurity specialists. We are you know, financial <laughs> specialists. Um, but when it comes to keeping your account safe, it's something that we have very high on our priority list. Uh, we don't take it lightly and nobody you're working with should. Um, so I will leave it at that. So thanks again for your time today uh, to our listeners, but also to Dave and Steve. Really, really appreciate your time and your expertise. And I look forward to uh, an ongoing conversation with you, uh, perhaps another time, because I think we probably could have talked for two more hours. I'm pretty Easily. sure we could. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us, Jeannie. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank uh, you. See you. Right. Talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye-bye. You can find previous episodes of the UECU podcast by searching UECU on your favorite podcast app or at uecu.org slash podcast. You can also find us online on Instagram and Twitter at UECU Happy and on Facebook and LinkedIn under our formal and longer name, Utilities Employees Credit Union. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the UECU podcast and learn about your favorite money tips. UECU serves members nationwide, and our vision is simple, to be our members' trusted financial partner for life. 
Whether you are just getting started on your financial journey or getting ready to make the next big move, we're here for you every step of the way. UECU membership is free. Learn more at uecu.org slash join. Thanks for listening.